This is 99% Invisible. I'm Roman Mars. A quick Kickstarter update. The three new Radiotopia shows have been greenlit. Thank you so much. We're so excited to be working with Criminal, The Heart, and Helen Zaltzman. I've already heard from quite a few people telling me that they started binge listening to Criminal when they heard about it on the show, which is the only appropriate response. It's really exciting that we get to add them to our collective, thanks to you. Right now, we're working on getting 20,000 backers and an extra $25,000 from Hover. We have just over 13,800 backers so far, so we're getting there. But it's going to take a huge surge right now to put us over the top. This is not something we can accomplish at the last minute, in the last 24 hours, so do not wait. All I'm asking for is $1. If we get 20,000 backers, that would be epic. The average number of pledges for a Kickstarter project is 95. We could get 20,000 for public radio. You could make that happen. All it takes is a couple of minutes of your time and $1. And then we could make $25,000. Go to kickstarter.com and search for Radiotopia or go to radiotopia.fm and find the donate button. Thanks. This is 99% Invisible. I'm Roman Mars. A chair is a difficult object. A skyscraper is almost easier. Those are the words of Mies van der Rohe, one of many architects who have also designed chairs. Eames, Geary, Adid, Liebeskind, Corbusier, Breuer. If they've designed a big building, chances are they've designed a thing on which to sit. And this makes sense that chairs would be signature design pieces for architects. Because chairs are almost like teeny tiny buildings for one person. Producer Avery Truffleman. And of course it's not just architects. Designers of all stripes have this love affair with chairs. Well, I think every designer really would love to design a chair. I mean, there's so many interesting things about chairs. This is designer Bruce Hanna. I'm a teacher at Pratt Institute in Brooklyn, New York and uh, designed things for Knoll for years. Including plenty of chairs for the office, for the home, everything. Chairs exist. They kind of are like placeholders for human beings. You know, you go into a restaurant that's empty and there's all these little placeholders, you know. Yet when the people sit in the chair, it disappears. The person replaces the chair. And so there's this distinct challenge for chair designers to make this thing look fantastic when empty and remain comfortably invisible when in use. And Hannah's pursuit of seating innovation actually led to something else. When he was experimenting with foam cushioning, Hannah accidentally invented the Nerf ball. Well, actually, it's called the foam football. Still really cool. It did come out of designing the chair. I mean, we're much more interested in the chair. Yes, those designers sure do love chairs. Love them. They keep turning out new ones all the time. Which brings me to one of my favorite headlines from The Onion. Quote, Report confirms no need to make new chairs for the time being. Because, yeah, there are already a lot. I think you could say that about anything. Well, we have enough cars. Let's stop making cars. Personally, I wouldn't be against that. But new chairs are always coming out, Hannah says, to fit our ever-changing needs. Because chairs determine how we use a space. 
Hannah brought up this great example of seating in cafes. Cafes used to be places for talking, and now they're places for working. So people are sitting and interacting differently. And so the furniture evolves along with the space and the activities. Throughout our lives, we have been told to sit down. In school, in the office, in the polite company of a dinner party, in a car or a plane or a bus or a movie theater, sitting is the default. We spend a lot of time in chairs. But I'm sure you heard all the talk lately about how unhealthy chairs are, especially if you listen to public radio, which I bet you do, you beautiful nerd. First, we'll talk about chronic sitting. Are you sitting down? Well, you might want to stand up. It turns out that sitting down can be bad for your health. And those who were sitting more were substantially more likely to die. Jeez. I think I found like five articles with the headline, Sitting is the New Smoking. The absolute number of hours that you sit is directly correlated with mortality from all causes, cancer, heart attack, and stroke. And it doesn't matter how many hours you spend in the gym as compensation. This is Professor Galen Krantz. You come in and the secretary says, have a seat. She doesn't know. She's wishing you death. You know, it's a death wish. This research, along with those scary headlines, has led to a new market for medicine ball chairs, adjustable chairs, standing desks, treadmill desks. The chair backlash is upon us. And Berkeley architecture professor Galen Kranz totally nailed it, way before anyone else. Yes, yes, it is nice to that people are, you know, saying that I was prescient and I wasn't prescient. Everybody else was just In 1998, Kranz published a book called The Chair, Rethinking Culture, Body, and Design. And the argument of the chair is that we should stop sitting in chairs. At least we should stop sitting in them for so long. Up to three hours doesn't seem to have much consequence. But Professor Kranz takes innovative chair sitting to another level. I try to eliminate all conventional chairs in my own life. Which presented a challenge when I went to go interview her. I wonder, let's see, how shall we sit? Professor Kranz's house was full of floor cushions, tatami mats, and lots and lots of unconventional hybrid chairs, like a medicine ball on an office chair chassis, and one that looked like a sleek, pared-down horse saddle. And when she's not in her home seating oasis and out in public, Professor Kranz does a lot of standing. And instead of sitting when she gets tired, she opts to kneel or squat or lie down. I laid down in a bank and somebody came up and asked me if I was having a heart attack, which was kind of them. You know, I understand. But I said, no, I'm fine. I'm just resting because the line is so long. (laughs) You've got to be gutsy to actually avoid the chairs everywhere. So how did the rest of us get suckered into the seated position? Well, it all started when we got off the farm. In the 20th century, we moved from being an agricultural economy where most people worked on farms. And then we moved into a manufacturing economy where a lot of people worked in factories. And some sat, some stood to work the machines in the, on the, along the conveyor belts. Not to over-romanticize life on the farm. They were still doing back-breaking work. They just probably had better posture and less carpal tunnel syndrome. And then we moved into a service economy. And that seems to be where the chair really took off and became the dominant apparatus for our lives. And then when we settled into the service economy, sitting became the way to type and file and fill out paperwork. You could do that standing, but for reasons I don't fully understand, 
We did it sitting. And so office chairs become the chairs, the chairs that people spend most of their day in. And until very recent history, they were not made to fit your body. They were made to fit your job. So you had a managerial one, you had a middle managerial one, you had a secretarial one, you had a task chair. Bruce Hanna had to design a few of these kinds of office chairs. The status-oriented chair design meant that in some cases... You had the 120-pound executive sitting in a gigantic chair because it really was about his presence when he wasn't there or her presence when he wasn't there. And then you had the 160-pound assistant secretary sitting in this tiny little chair. For the most part, status trumped ergonomics. And then along comes 1992, the the Aeron chair, where it's the same chair, it just comes in three sizes. It's a T-shirt, a small one, a medium one, and a, and a big one. But everybody gets all of the adjustments. They get arms. They get everything they need to work because everyone is working equally hard in the office. The Herman Miller Aeron chair. You've seen an Aeron chair. It's got this mesh-looking back. And you've probably heard it mentioned on public radio, you beautiful nerd. Support for NPR comes from Sit for Life and Herman Miller, featuring the Aeron chair, including the true black color. They are usually black or true black. There's one of them everywhere. I was surprised when I walked into the studio today that you don't have a couple here, you know, um, because they're everywhere. They're ubiquitous. They're the ubiquitous chair. And the Aeron chair brought on this age of ergonomic office chairs that look like little robots. They display their technology as a selling point, and they show off their swivels and their adjustments and their ergonomic technology. The Aeron chair defined what an office chair ought to look like. Right now, I think it's what society says, that that will make me comfortable, that piece of machinery. And no one guessed that these expensive pieces of machinery would sell like hotcakes. No one except Galen Grants. When my book first came out, people said, well, you know, nobody's going to pay for an ordinary clerk to have an adjustable chair with all the bells and whistles. Oh, that's way too expensive. That'll never happen. Well, then there was repetitive strain injury and a whole lot of lawsuits and insurance companies suddenly thought it was a lot cheaper to buy those fancy adjustable chairs than to pay for medical bills. Kranz is a fan of what she calls body-conscious design and considers any chair that takes the human figure into account is a vast improvement over say, a a beanbag chair. But Krantz argues that some of those bells and whistles on office chairs actually don't help that much, specifically those ergonomic chair backs. Because in all likelihood, you are probably sitting in this chair while working at a desk. And the desk, it turns out, is the chair's devious accomplice. The true villain is the table. Flat surfaces force you to lean over, so you never really take advantage of the chair back. The chair, in particular, asks us to sit at this right-angle position, but most of our work is forward-oriented. Clerical work, reading, writing checks, and eating, even. Oh, drinking tea and coffee, and all the... Everything's forward. So you bend forward, or more likely, slump. Even if you have excellent posture, it's hard to avoid leaning over your keyboard, or your dinner, or your book. So the head gets seduced into coming forward... And then the spine turns into a big C-shape. And Galen Krantz says that when you curve your spine into the C-shape, it's bad for the spine, of course, but it also compresses your organs, which is really bad, especially for hours on end throughout the day in an office chair. And because of this horrible chair-desk dynamic, chair designers can't solve much by adding ergonomic elements to the chair backs. 
Actually, Professor Kranz thinks we should do away with back support entirely. I think back support is a big mistake, and that's it's weakened our backs. If you support something, you usually weaken it. So if you're in a situation where you must, must sit in a chair, Kranz says it's best to ignore the chair back and sit yourself right at the edge of your seat. Right out to the edge. That way you don't get seduced to using the chair back of your own torso strength to keep you upright. With this strategy of getting your sit bones out to the edge of the chair, you're turning it into a stool. Stools, Kranz says, are a good alternative to chairs because they don't have back support and they get your body out of the C shape. It positions the body halfway between sitting and standing. And if you take that body position and lean it backwards... What do you get? A lounge chair. And that's how I'm positioned right now. Yeah, Galen Kranz was reclining in a lounge chair for this interview. I'll be in the lounge, and I'll have you in the rocking chair facing me. And she put me in a rocking chair, because unlike a normal chair, it allows for more fluidity and movement. And this all sounds great and healthy and fun. But in practice, I was sitting all the way forward, rocking right to the very front, stretching my microphone out to Kranz, who was lying back in her lounge chair. And it hurt. I just wanted two chairs and a flat desk to rest my arm on. But I don't know. Maybe I just wasn't used to this alternative world yet. Maybe I needed to get acclimated. I don't know. I mean, Professor Kranz looked pretty comfortable in her lounge chair. Before people got so into standing desks and treadmill desks, Professor Kranz was sure that lounge chairs and lounge chair desks would replace chair sitting. Of all the solutions to the seating problem, the lounge chair is the solution that requires the least physical effort while still supporting the human body in a healthy way. But it's not like there's one single piece of furniture that will correct all the problems of chair sitting. No, lounge chair is not the answer. There's no the answer. What we need is variety. The best posture is the next posture. Bruce Hanna agrees. The more variation in your day, the better off. But he's not chair avoidant. Sitting is the new smoking? Really? We should be up and running every day. Run, 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 run. Does that mean that all restaurants will be will be running in place at restaurants? There'll be treadmills, right? Will there nothing be sacred? I like to sit. I want to sit down. An ideal space to live or to work could be full of unconventional mismatched chairs for you to try out and cycle through, like in Galen Kranz's dining room. People say, oh... Wow, you have a lot of chairs. And I say, oh, yeah, it's a chair museum. And I say, oh, try, be sure to try them all. And people do. They like, they say, well, I've sat in that one. Can I go try that one halfway through the dinner, you know? The middle class thing is you want everything to match. And um, it's fun that these don't match. Everybody loves it, trying out the, all the different attitudes towards seating reform. But the solution isn't just a, like, only in Berkeley kind of thing. So maybe in this one case, this one exception... The onion is wrong. We don't need fewer things to sit on. It turns out we need more. And all different kinds. Stools, perches, lounge chairs. And hell, throw in some desk redesigns while you're at it. Ones that rise up to meet us like drafting tables. Design more. Much, much more. Bring me more chairs. All the chairs.
99% Invisible was produced this week by Avery Troubleman Sam Greenspan Katie Mingle Roman Mars We are a project of 91.7 Local Public Radio KALW in San Francisco and produced out of the offices of ArcSign in beautiful downtown Oakland, California. Support for 99% Invisible comes from the 20,000 backers to the Radiotopia Kickstarter. If I say it, it will come true. And from Hover, the best way to buy and manage domain names. Did you guys hear at the end of the Ouija episode last week, we talked about creating uh, an emoji-based Ouija board, and we bought the name emoija.com. And and that very same day that that episode came out, Taylor Moore launched an emoji Ouija on Kickstarter just by coincidence. If it turns out that he wants emoija.com, I'm sure Sam will give it to him for a reasonable price. This is all the more reason that if you have an idea, you have to get that thing on the web because there are millions of Taylor Moores and they are one step ahead of you, my friend. Go claim your future at Hover.com. If you purchase, use the offer code CHAIR and I'll save you 10%. Hover believes in Radiotopia and believes that there are 20,000 of you out there who want us to thrive. When 20,000 of you back the Kickstarter, Hover will donate an extra $25,000 for us to remake public radio together. You can't wait. You've got to go now. Support is also provided by Tiny Letter, email for people with something to say. My boy Carver always has something to say. What do you got to say, Carver? I don't have a favorite animal, but I do have, um, wait, I mean, I don't have a favorite chill, but I do have a favorite animal. My favorite animal is an owl. Tinyletter.com. It's free, easy, minimal, and powerful. The simplest way to send an email newsletter. From the great people behind MailChimp. MailChimp is the founding and lead sponsor of Radiotopia. In fact, We couldn't do this without them and without you. 20,000 of you. Come on, I just want one episode during the campaign where we can celebrate that we did it. We did this amazing thing together. So go to kickstarter.com, search for Radiotopia, or go to radiotopia.fm and find the donate button. Okay. Thanks. Radiotopia. From PR.